Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Hi, everyone. Glad to be back from England, Wales, and Scotland. I know. I know. And the reason I mention that is I want to thank you. Not all the people on this planet have the availability of paid vacations. So thank you and bless you. So this month, we're going to go through Ernest Holmes' The Beverly Hills Lectures. And I want to say a few words about it. First of all, I selected the book, guess what? Uh, Twelve years ago, when I became the senior minister here, I made the bold statement that over the course of my uh, duration here, we would review every single book of Ernest Holmes. Guess what? The last one. <laughs> so, so I don't know whether you're looking forward to this new material or, or not. Uh, but, uh, and not only is this uh, the last book we're covering of Ernest Holmes on Sundays, but also one of the last books that he actually wrote, a book that was published while he was still living. There are later ones that were published posthumously of where people kind of stitched together some of his writings. But, but this was probably the last of his books that was published while he was alive. Now, Beverly Hills Lectures, you're probably wondering, Beverly Hills Lectures? What's that about? So, of course, uh, Ernest Holmes, the founder of Science of Mind, lived in Los Angeles, and he did not consider himself a preacher as much as a lecturer. And so in 1952, over the course of, uh, of six weeks, he sold out a huge auditorium at Beverly Hills High School and on Wednesday nights had this series of lectures, kind of, uh, kind of wrapping up or summarizing, really, in some ways, his life's work. So, so you might say I'm saving the best for last, but I will also tell you it's challenging. He challenges you from the get-go. And I had to think as I was reading the first chapter whether I was up to his challenge or not. And of course, in the end, I said yes, and I might be involving you in the challenge later today as well. More information on that to come. Where I want to start, though, is with a quote from this book that will, I think, describe a little bit of why we are where we are today. So Ernest Holmes, Beverly Hills Lecture number 1. I have said many times that all of the frustrated people in the world, the most frustrated is the metaphysician. We are the worst. Because we have asked for more, because we have believed in more, we know there is more. If you and I know that there is some secret and silent operation in our own consciousness that can produce an infinity of good for us, and we don't use it, it's as though we have put our light under a bushel. We are dissatisfied, unhappy, because we are not living up to the highest levels of our own consciousness. You can almost feel the challenge coming on, can't you? I would like to suggest that one of the reasons that we are dissatisfied is that we know we can do better. But before we get to that, I would like to uh, ask a question. So I just got back on the plane, and I was trying to catch up a little bit on, uh, on what's going on in, in the United States on my way back. Uh, anymore, gosh, they have Wi-Fi right on the planes, right? So I'm, I'm looking on my phone about what's going on in the U.S., and it was crazy, right? Gunmen shooting innocent people, tornadoes ravaging the land, 
the sea levels are rising, several cities have been, these are all just news things that I'm reading as I'm on the plane coming back to America. Several cities have already had to be relocated because of rising sea level. North Korea is about to unleash the A-bomb. Oh, and, and I love this part of it. So in the article of North Korea and, uh, and them getting ready to unleash the A-bomb, they had a map with a circle showing exactly where the bomb could reach, unless there be any confusion that you personally can be bombed by Kim Jong-un. Let me just tell you, they, they, they settled that issue. It is within reach of Portland. So we too should be trembling about the A-bomb being unleashed, right? They had cleverly drawn a map with a circle showing exactly who could be struck by that. Also in the same news article, of course, uh, articles on world government crippled by divisive leadership and diseases that we had thought conquered like measles on the upswing. So, so basically, on my way home, I learned that we were in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> ba ba basically. Basically. But I had to think about this for a minute because having just enjoyed a lovely two weeks, I, I couldn't really imagine that things had gotten that bad since I left. And so I, I rather purposefully then dug around to find some other headlines. And here are some other information that I found on my plane trip on the way back. The US economy is in the fastest growth spurt that it's been in over 10 years. The US employment rate is at a 16-year low. We're in a 50-year slump of violent crimes and even crimes against property, you know, sort of smash and grabs, are on a downturn. Our homes and ourselves have not been safer since 1960. Now think about that for a minute. I mean, most of us, well, some of us were at least alive in 1960. That was when we didn't even bother to lock our doors. So we're as safe as we were in 1960. Now, I was a little skeptical about that. This was like a national article, and I'm thinking, well, but probably not Portland, right? We're probably struggling a little bit more here. But no, Portland, Oregon was rated by Forbes magazine as the third safest metropolitan area in our country. We are living in the land of milk and honey, I swear. Adjusted for inflation, the estimated cost of essential goods has never been cheaper in the U.S. Now, this one I had to dig into. Like they're using fancy words against me. I wanted to really understand what that meant. But what they're saying is adjusted for inflation. And when you consider that the standard of living has increased, buying essential goods, you know, the stuff we need to actually eat, uh, as opposed to luxury goods, those goods have never been cheaper within our ability to buy them in the history of the United States than they are right now. So which of these sets of facts and figures do you believe? Is it the zombie apocalypse? Or is it heaven on earth? Yeah, here's the problem, isn't it? Actually, both sets of these facts are accurate. 
But what is it that we feel more? What is it that we sense more? What is in the newspaper more often? What are we kind of led to believe? I think it's more the zombie apocalypse, right? The newspapers are full of articles on, on how this segment of society is doing poorly or, or how these people are being discriminated against or, or how this industry is on the downturn. We seldom hear the more positive articles. And in fact, you'll remember, I had to dig for them. I'm like, I'm like well, I want to find out about the crime rate. It's, it's like if an A-bomb is going to be dropped on me tomorrow, I would actually like to know how safe I am. And so, so safety Portland, Oregon, I googled. And that's where I found out that, that Forbes magazine says we're the third safest, uh, safest metropolitan area on the planet. But I had to let Google that, right? It wasn't there on the front page. It wasn't there to reassure me, no. It was the map that included Portland, you know, within the A-bomb range. So it isn't that I believe in this idea so much of fake news. In fact, several people in, in England asked me, what is this thing about fake news that I keep reading about, right? It isn't something that we have here um, in, in Great Britain. What is this idea of fake news? And I had to think about it. I had to, to think how I was going to explain it. And it isn't so much that people, newspaper articles or things like that, are writing things that are untrue, It's that they're curating what gets published, sometimes to prove a point. So out of the thousands of issues that are out there, uh, some of which are, are wonderful and things like that, they will tend to choose the ones, they will curate what it is that gets put in your news feeds and in your newspapers, and therefore the things we tend to talk about around the uh, break room and things like that, they choose the sensational, they choose the, the inflammatory, they choose the negativity on purpose because there's a belief that that sells newspapers, that that, that is what we want to find, that we'll be uh, titillated by it, that it will excite us or interest us. And so uh, our news is heavily curated. More so here, I discovered, than in Great Britain. In fact, in Great Britain, uh, guess what was on... Uh, uh, guess what was on the news as I was leaving? Their international spelling bee contest, right? It's like in Great Britain, you get the spelling bee. In America, you get the circle of destruction of Kim Jong-un, right? So it isn't that the news we get is fake. I think it's probably pretty darn accurate, actually. It's just that it does not portray in bulk what is happening to us. We actually are living in the promised land right now. It's just we're led to believe that that's not true. So here's where Ernest Holmes comes in. If we truly believe that we have the power over our own thoughts, first of all, we can choose to evaluate whether the information we're getting has reality for us personally, right? Uh, I think throughout history, one could say that the apocalypse has always just been on the corner, right? That if this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens, then we're all dead, right? So, so that's always existed out there, and yet here we are, right? If I had spent all of the centuries worrying about what could happen and what's likely to happen and, and what's forecast to happen, no one would ever have a good time, right? Right? 
So my thought is, if we have the ability to actually have any dominion over our own thoughts at all, and here's Ernest Holmes' challenge, then why are we allowing ourselves to be hijacked, totally hijacked, by a news media and circulation of of questionable material that, number one, probably doesn't even really affect us. Number two, is patently negative. And number three, has been curated, curated in a way that actually is designed to prove a point, to try to prove to us that the world's not safe, to try to prove to us that we're not doing well, trying to prove to us that society is unhealthy in some way. You know, I also uh, pulled up the, the Melinda and Bill Gates Society's newsletter, too. And you know what? It's not just America. The world has never in, been in better shape. There are whole uh, diseases that have ravaged, especially the sub-Sahara region, that have now been eradicated. The world is a much healthier place to be in. And by all measures of likelihood, uh, really poverty as we know it will be stamped out within the next 20 years. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be people here and there in, in, uh, you know, in the uh, wake of a hurricane or something like that that will, that will need help or need attention. Of course, that's always going to exist. There will always be natural disasters and, and troubles like that. But in terms of endemic poverty, it literally will be stamped out within the next 20 years. And you know why? It's because the world is actually rich. And those of us care enough to make sure that new ways of raising crops and new ways of purifying water and all the things that are necessary to allow people to be successful on the planet. So if we know the truth about the news, if we recognize that it is being curated, if we begin to think about ourselves as having a little more dominion over our thoughts, is there any particular reason that we shouldn't be thinking we're in the best possible situation right now. Now I want you to think about this because this is the heart of Ernest Holmes' challenge. His challenge is why would we either choose to think the negative thoughts we're thinking, choose to single out the negative aspects of our lives, or, and I think this is probably more likely, Why are we choosing to be asleep and just allowing that tide of negativity to wash over us? Now, I don't think that very many of us wake up in the morning and say, I think today I'm really going to have a rotten day. I'm going to focus in on all of the negativity. I'm going to look at that map of Kim Jong-un's and picture the missiles coming in. You know, it's, it's not like we wake up in the morning and go, zombie apocalypse, go zombies! But yet I think that often we wake up in the morning and just allow almost like the tide coming in of news media and other people's troubles and the issues that are up around government and so on. And and, and as though we're defenseless in a way, that tide of negativity washes over us and we end up getting that negative vibe in our lives. We will begin to seeking out the things that are perhaps going wrong instead of the things that are going right. Are you up for this challenge? 
Okay, I'm starting to, uh, I, I can tell you guys are glazing over a little. Uh, I, and I'm the jet-lagged one, so that's no fair. Time, t- t- time for the joke, I think. So a woman is calling Mount Sinai Hospital, and she says, Hello, I want to know if a patient is getting better. Well, the voice on the other end of the line said, Okay, what's the patient's name and the, their room number? And she said, Well, yes, it's Sarah Finkel in room 302. Well, the administrator says, well, I I don't really have access, of course, to medical records, but I see that Mrs. Finkel has been moved out of critical care. She's able to eat regular meals from the cafeteria, and also someone's going to be contacting her today or tomorrow about discharge recommendations. I would say she's doing really well. The woman said, oh, what a relief. That's wonderful. What great news. The man on the phone said, would you like to speak to her? She's listed as being able to receive calls. She can have visitors. The woman laughed. No, I'm Sarah Finkel in room 302. My doctor just never seems to tell me the good news. That's what the challenge requires. The challenge is going to require you to seek out the good news about yourself, about your families, about your friends, about your community. It's going to cause you to really think about, wait a minute, why am I so worried? Why am I feeling unsafe? If it causes you to begin looking up at the neighborhood crime statistics in your own neighborhood, that's great. If it causes you to begin doubting some of the information that's coming your way in the news feeds, that's great. Because ultimately you are the curator of your life. And to give it over to the hands of other people, even people in your own family, even your coworkers, even the people that are important to you, when you turn over the curation of your own thoughts, your own beliefs, your own experience of life, then you get the soup du jour. You get the mess. You get the zombie apocalypse. But you have the power to choose your own thinking, your own path, Truly, we're living in the land of milk and honey. And, and, and of course, I, I recognize that honey isn't vegan, and I do realize people are lactose intolerant. And yet still, these are the good times if we recognize that, if we embrace it, if we invite it into our own homes. Well, I'm going to close with a, a, a quick highlight of your homework. Are you ready to take Ernest Holmes' challenge? Are you ready to curate your own view of life? Now, for some of you, that's going to mean really questioning some of the information that's coming your way. Is that true? Is that true for me? Does it have to be true for me? Is that just what other people believe? Can I go my own way? I invite you to focus on the positive life that is waiting for you. And that is the challenge. All right, let me close with another quick uh, reading from the from our book uh, this month and a prayer. The moment you step out of the ordinary ranks, the moment that you step out of the procession that moves endlessly down the aisle, you are in a spotlight of evolution. Your own choice is deciding, and you are no longer going to think as others dictate. The moment a person steps out of this endless stream of humanity, she no longer goes by the norm that was set by the mass mind. 
He is a leader. She is a thinker. He is one who introduces new things into the world. She is now, in my mind, one specially chosen by the cosmic intelligence for a definite personal purpose. But we all have to create the vision for ourselves. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness, one love, just this one thing. I call it God. goes by many names, of course. Regardless, it is that one thing that encompasses all. All the love, all the life, all the joy, all the peace, all of it in this uh, unimaginably large universe called God or Spirit. And what I know about all this good is that it's available to me. It's running through me. It's the source of, of my very life. And, and I choose to curate my own mind, my own world, to highlight all of the good going on, it, to recognize my own abundance, to, to see the love that others have for me, to, to have and to hold the, the things and the people and the joy and the happiness that so, so patently is mine, so freely given by the Creator. This is the truth of who I am. It is unbidden joy. It is truly the land of heaven on earth. This is my life, and I claim it now. I choose it. I curate it. I, I watch my own thoughts to make sure I'm headed towards it. I see wherever I look the good and the joy and the purposeful. Not to be blinded to things that need to happen, not to, to overlook things that need to be taken care of, but to see that ultimately God is good to recognize that this is a safe and nurturing universe. And as it is true for me, I know it can be true for everyone. Everyone willing to take Ernest Holmes' challenge that there is good for us and we shall have it as we choose it. And so for this day and the following day and the day after that, I claim for the people who have this understanding that the world is simply getting better as our thoughts get better that the world is truly blessed, and we are a blessing in it. And so I give great thanks for this. I release my prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you were here. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, You can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.